Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this very special show. To all of you in the United States and around the world, a world like where we have listeners, Brazil, France, Canada, Australia, South Korea, Ireland, Norway, UK, Russia, Germany, South Africa, Netherlands, Sweden, Spain, Denmark. Thank you all for following the show. And of course, to all of you in the United States. Now, my great friend Richard Roberts should be joining us today. I want to remind you, he's my close friend that works for the State Department, and he's in Brazil. Gang Yang, hello to you in South Korea, Cheryl Harris at the State Department, and Vinyamin in Kazakhstan. Hello to all of you. I'm so excited about the show today. Yoshiko Dart, special shout out to you, Yoshiko. You're going to love this show as much as you love the show from Japan. And thank you, Hi Mark, my sponsor. I wouldn't be able to do this show without you. Well, when I said it's a very special show, it is from Brazil. I love it. We have one from Tunisia, one from Japan, and now we have one from Brazil with this young man I met, Guilherme Braga, who is the CEO and founder. Guilherme, is it pronounced Eagleite? How is it pronounced? Uh, hello, Joyce. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm also very excited that to be here on your show. Uh, so, uh, our name was, um, uh, was taught in French. So, uh, it would be égalité. That, uh, means equality. Okay. I'm going to go with the employment of people with disabilities for right now. This organization he founded, because I know I will not pronounce that French name correctly, um, and he is, in my opinion, a real civil rights leader for people with disabilities. So, Yermai, let's hear your story. Uh, you know, like, where did you grow up? Uh, where did you go to school? What caused you to start the not-for-profit? And then explain what you do to our listeners. Uh, and then... Wow, my great friend is on hold. Richard is here. Richard Roberts from the State Department. Yay. Uh, Engineer Andrew, you can go ahead and put him through while Guillerme is answering this question. So go ahead, Guillerme. Let's hear from you. Um, well, Joyce, I was, I was born and raised uh, in the south of Brazil uh, in, a, in a city called uh, Porto Alegre. So w- whenever you talk about Brazil, everyone uh, thinks of, uh, about these beautiful uh, beaches and, and warm weather during the whole year. Uh, but we are actually very close to Uruguay and Argentina. So we have uh, some winter here. 
but uh, right now it's summer, so it's it's very very warm. Um, I, um, I I I don't have a, a, a history that uh, it's, it's pretty typical for for persons who work uh, with persons with disabilities. Uh, I'm not a person with disability, and I don't have anyone in my family. Um, it, uh, I, I didn't have much contact with persons with disabilities until I was 15 years old, uh, where I had the opportunity uh, to go to the United States in an exchange student program. Uh, so I lived for six months uh, in Monroe, Michigan, uh, a small town, but a uh, very, very interesting uh, opportunity and experience for me. And very different from what I was used here in Brazil, there were many uh, persons with disabilities in the school that I went. And in the beginning, it was uh, uncomfortable for me because I didn't know exactly uh, how to approach, uh, how to to talk um, with with this this person with different kinds of disabilities, and um, in, in in one class um, I I was paired uh, with Andrew. That uh, Andrew uh, had a physical disability; he was in a, in a wheelchair, and we got very very close. And uh, so he was one of my best friends, very, very intelligent student, uh, funny. Uh, he was he was such an amazing person. And um, I, I understood much more about Andrew than just uh, his being in a wheelchair. Um, I was 15 years old, so um, <laughs> I was probably not mature enough. Uh, to understand the importance of that uh, experience. But uh, I came back to Brazil. I went to law school. And when I studied law, I learned about the quota law that we have in Brazil that uh, obligates companies starting from 100 employees to employ a certain percentage from 2 to 5% of persons with disabilities. And when I learned about that, uh, I saw a lot of companies complaining about saying that they were being obligated to hire persons that would not uh, reach the same results as a person without a disability. And that's when I decided to start the work with uh, Egalité. Uh, we are a for-profit company, um, and, and we, we wanted to do that exactly to show the value of, of the services that we provide and more especially uh, the potential that persons with disabilities have in the labor market. So since then, we've been working um, with the employment of persons with disabilities, providing support uh, and technology in the recruitment uh, of persons with disabilities all over Brazil and also providing consulting services um, to to provide uh, accommodation, accessibility, and especially making uh, the company being more inclusive, creating a more inclusive culture inside 
those companies. So uh, I've been working with that uh, since 2010. So it's been uh, a 13, 13 years journey. Um, now I'm 36. So I started as well very, very early. But with what was not common, usually uh, the NGOs and, and people involved um, were doing that later on in their careers. But for me, it was very important to work uh, with something that would create uh, a social impact. And, um, and I, I became uh, an advocate and a very enthusiastic person about uh, diversity and inclusion. Well, you know what I say about you? You were saying how you met this person and they impacted you. You know, in life, we all get to make that one decision. One decision that will change or could change so many lives. Or we don't, but you did. You made that one decision and now look what has happened, which is wonderful. So, you know, my hat's off to you. That is Awesome. Richard, I am so glad we have you. Yes, thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, so for all of you listeners, I know what you're saying. Richard, is that Richard Roberts? The person (laughs) Joyce says on every radio show, a special shout out to my friend Richard Roberts. Yes, it's him. (laughs) <laughs> you get to hear him live, and he is a wonderful person, a great friend, a great civil rights leader, a just champion for the U.S. State Department, um, and it is such a pleasure. He's the Deputy Cultural Affairs Officer and American Presence Officer working at the Embassy in Brasilia. Welcome to the show, Richard. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Like I said, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And Richard, if I may ask you, for our listeners in the United States, and I don't know if you heard about our listening audience in France, Brazil, Canada, Australia, South Korea, Ireland, Norway, UK, Russia, Germany, South Africa, the Netherlands, Sweden, Spain, and Denmark. But as you can see, oh, and this year is my 20th anniversary of the show this year. Uh, So see, I'm celebrating with you, Richard. So for our listeners in the United States and around the world, how about if we begin by you telling your story, uh, why you chose to work for the State Department in this area of diplomacy, and then you could tell us about the other embassies that you've been to. And I have a young woman with a disability with a degree in international studies that her dream is to be with the State Department, being a diplomat, and so you'll be getting her resume, Richard. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you first tell your story, why you chose the State Department, but when you choose that, maybe you could talk about what is required to work for the State Department. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was so impressed that you even you have a listener in Mongolia as well. 
And um, mm-hmm. I served in Mongolia for a short period of time. It's a, it's a beautiful country. So uh, I, I think it's just fantastic that you have people from, from all over the world. And I'm really happy to tell you about my story and also to encourage uh, anyone who's listening who is an American, you have to be a U.S. citizen, you have to be an American citizen, and you have to be between the ages of 21 and 60. Um, so, uh, but that's about it. You know, it's interesting to become a, a, a U.S. diplomat. You don't have to have a college degree. If you have a college degree, it doesn't have to be in any specific area. Uh, you don't have to have any particular background. Um, so on, really, the, the requirements are very broad. It's just be a U.S. citizen between the ages of 21 and 60. Um, and you might think, well, you know, aren't they looking for like, something more than that? And they are. And they're looking for people that have these, these dimensions, these different attributes. They want people who uh, have composure, um, can stay poised and self-composed, thinking on their feet when things are happening, people who show cultural adaptability, uh, people who can take initiative, show leadership, have good judgment, uh, people who are resourceful, work well with others. Those are the kinds of things that the State Department is looking for. They're not looking for a particular major or a particular background. And um, uh, I didn't know about this when, uh, uh, when I joined the State Department. So when I, I joined the State Department, I was, uh, it was a mid-career change for me. I was 45, and I had been a, a psychology professor at the University of Maryland on their overseas, uh, their global campus. And um, a friend of mine wanted to take the foreign service exam. And uh, she said, why don't you take it with me? And I thought, you know, I've heard about this. I've always kind of wondered what this test was like that, you know, diplomats have to take in order to enter the foreign service. And um, I took it and I passed it. (laughs) Really surprised, actually. And um, from there, after I passed it, I thought, yeah, wow, um, because I never, I never thought that this would be a career that for someone like me, I just didn't think this would be the kind of thing that people, that would be for someone kind of like who I was. And maybe some of your listeners are thinking that too. Maybe they're thinking, oh, I don't know, diplomacy, uh, you know, it sounds interesting, but maybe they wouldn't want somebody like me. And, and my advice is they would definitely want somebody like you because what we're looking for is diversity. We are looking to reflect the entire uh, American experience. And that includes uh, people with disabilities. Um, in fact, the, I'm going to read to you now from the uh, accessibility and accommodations page uh, from the website at the State Department. And they say the U.S. Department of State is committed to recruiting and retaining qualified individuals with disabilities. And uh, uh, an employee or qualified applicant may request a reasonable accommodation to participate in the application process or to perform the essential duties of a position for which they were hired. So even when applying for the position, if you're going to take the Foreign Service exam, if you need to take, and then if you pass that and you take the oral exam, uh, you know, accommodations can be made for you. And um, I encourage anyone who's interested uh, in a career in the State Department to go to uh, our website. It's very easy. It's www.state.gov. Dot gov www.state.gov and click on job seekers there's a link for job seekers and you'll see all of the different possibilities there's so many different ways that you can get involved in diplomacy um, from so many different backgrounds so many different things so i really hope that um uh, that some of your listeners will be encouraged to do this um, because like i said i hadn't really thought about it until a friend of mine recommended it. And then once I investigated and looked into it, I thought, no, this is a wonderful job. This is a terrific opportunity, but I had never thought it would be for me. And I hope maybe there's some listeners out there who think, 
yeah, maybe this is for me too. And they'll start investigating it and, uh, and I hope we'll eventually join. Yeah, and I would encourage you to. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity to meet so many different people around the world and have an impact. Uh, you've been to different countries uh, as a diplomat, Richard. Where all have you served? So my first tour was in Niger in West Africa, and then I went to um, Tokyo, and then I went to um, Seoul in South Korea, where you and I met. And um, then after that, I, I served briefly in Mongolia. Uh, uh, and then I went to Okinawa, Japan, and um, ne- where you and I met again. <laughs> and then I uh, came to Brazil uh, last summer. And I'll be in Brazil for three years, where I hope uh, Guillermo and I can uh, welcome you. Yes, maybe over this date he told me about before you got on, which is, Guillermo, if I'm right, September 21st, right? Isn't that the International Day of People with Disabilities in Brazil? Exactly. That's when we celebrate the National Disability Day here in Brazil, September 21st. How about that? I never knew that before. You learn something all the time. Well, Richard, as you know, um, and you also know how the worst thing that ever happened to me is when we lost Mary Brocker. Worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, And it just so happens that Mary Brocker died uh, August 2021 tragically in a hiking accident. She was one of my very closest friends, the president of Bender Consulting Services, a dynamo and just a wonderful person. And you, Richard, uh, traveled with, we traveled with you in South Korea and in Japan, Okinawa. Uh, what, what do you remember most about Mary? Oh, gosh, yeah, that was just awful. And, um, yeah, it's very sad to think that when you come to Brazil, Mary, you know, it's hard for me to imagine her not being with us, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That makes me really sad. Um, but I, I, the thing with Mary is that I don't think she, I don't think the word stranger was in her vocabulary. You know, I think just friends she hadn't met yet, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't think there wasn't such a thing as strangers, was there? I mean, it just was people, she, the friends she hadn't met. And um, she, I don't think she ever met anyone that she did not become friends with, that she didn't just immediately take to, and they just took to her and just really, you know, just really loved her and cared about her. She was just really a wonderful person, and um, her energy, her enthusiasm, um, yeah, yeah, she's very missed. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to describe her. I'm going to remember that. A stranger to friends she hasn't met yet. Yeah, that's Mary. That was Mary, yeah. no matter where she was, no matter where. Um, no, and I'm be, sorry. Could you, be the grocery I'm store. Sorry. Could be meeting yep. with the president of a university. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the yeah. same to her. Yep. Or a janitor. Didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So, Guillerme, you do all this work in employment. 
I'm wondering how how do you recruit people with disabilities in Brazil? Uh, I'm wanting wanting to know if you know you work with people across the board, like physical, as you mentioned with your uh, friend in a wheelchair, neurodiverse, like uh, autism, blind or deaf, any type of mobility issue or intellectual disabilities. Do you work with all or just a segment? Um, just we work uh, with, across the board with all kinds of disabilities. So uh, our mission is to be inclusive, and we we wouldn't be doing that uh, if if we uh, couldn't provide opportunities for everyone. And having a quota law, it's something that on one hand can be good, but on the other hand, uh, it has its challenges because um, companies would usually focus on disabilities that would not require any kind of accommodation. Uh, so we, we try to convince companies to understand the potential of the candidate to focus on on their uh, profile rather than just selecting uh, some some kind of, of disability, and this is challenging for us because we develop uh, an online recruitment platform totally accessible for persons with disabilities, and. Talking about technology, this is where it can be challenging uh, to accommodate all these this different, uh, this different kinds of uh, accessibility. But uh, we've been working hard for, for the past 10 years building this solution. And uh, we know it's not uh, perfect, but uh, every day we, we work and uh, we, we, we listen a lot to the feedback that we have from our candidates, from our companies uh, to, to provide um, a better software solution because we want that uh, not only uh, persons that uh, live in big cities in Brazil like Rio or Sao Paulo being able to have uh, access to to this kind of opportunities. So uh, I was I was talking to you before we, we went on air of the job fair that uh, we, we organize every year on the week of the National Disability Day. That's how we had the pleasure to have the the embassy participating with us last year as well. Um, we we had uh, job opportunities in all 27 states of Brazil uh, in, in, in the traditions that uh, we did of the job fair. So this is what uh, we want. We want to provide job opportunities uh, for every person with disability everywhere in Brazil. Now, uh, and that's wonderful. Guillerme, when you recruit people with disabilities in Brazil, is that mainly from like NGOs and universities uh, or some type of vocational rehab? How are, how are these people referred to you? Um, 
during these years, we built a strong alliance uh, with uh, uh, with NGOs, with the government, uh, with institutions that uh, work with persons with disabilities. But I would say that most of our our users come straightforward from from the effort that uh, we do, especially uh, with our online solutions, because we we also provide content and online courses for free for persons with disabilities. So uh, we don't want just to find a job, but help people to prepare to enter the the labor market and also uh, upskilling and getting uh, even better job opportunities. So this, I would say, is is uh, what what we invest uh, in our uh, social area of, of our company, um, and this is we're getting very good results for having uh, more and more people uh, engaged. And but but yeah, uh, there are a lot of NGOs and and the government with great local efforts, and what we are able to do is to uh, connect everyone in, in this big uh, alliance uh, to create more employment and inclusion. You know, one thing you said that is so true, uh, Guillermo, is that people with significant disabilities, I'm meaning blind or deaf or uh, in a wheelchair or using... Um, some type of speaking device, whatever it is, has a much harder time gaining employment than someone with a non-apparent disability, unless it's like autism, some something very visible to corporations. Even in the United States, uh, Richard, as you know, there is uh, a percentage that they ask federal agencies to hire people with disabilities and targeted meaning significant disabilities are the hardest to find and get employed. So it's funny, uh, on a macrocosm, it's the same. You know what I mean? It's this, there is a great correlation there uh, in the United States as what you just said, Guillerme. And I wanted to ask you, Guillermo, I remember once someone said to me, a corporation, hey, Joyce, can you find people with disabilities for this company in Brazil? And I said, well, so far when I checked, you know, there was little accessibility. So if you can't get into the building... How could you get a job? So I wanted to ask you, uh, what have you seen as the amount of accessibility in uh, transportation, buildings, roads, sidewalks, braille on elevators, captioning? What have you seen? Well, this is a huge challenge for us. Um, I'm... I'm the optimist, so uh, I know it's 
like to look forward and uh, understand that uh, since we started our work 13 years ago, uh, we have uh, improved a lot. There were some new laws that uh, passed here in Brazil that, um, that help us to create better accessibility. But uh, we know that we are very, very distance from from an ideal uh, uh, an ideal environment for inclusion and especially compared to the US where you have uh, much more accessible uh, buildings transportation um, so it's, it, it's it's not easy uh, for that in Brazil uh, but I, I believe that we're involved in uh, the good thing is that companies are more willing to work on that, thinking about their employees and also thinking about persons with disabilities as their uh, clients, their uh, consumers. So this is something that is very important to have in mind. Uh, you're creating accommodation not only for one person that's going to work uh, in, in your building, but uh, it may be some contractor that you have that has a disability. It may be um, a client that's going to visit you, or maybe even someone that uh, uh, that has temporary limitation um, in, in their uh, uh, in their health. So um, it's something that companies are starting to look and really invest more. But we still have lack of uh, investment from our government. So this is something that we need to work a lot. Um, and, and this creates a lot of issues when we talk about employment. Uh, we have trouble with accessibility in our education system. So whenever we're going to employ a person with disability, they probably had a much harder time to get uh, education than a person without a disability. Um, to give you an, an example, uh, I met uh, a deaf person uh, that they were not able to get a sign language interpreter in, in, in the university. And the person wanted to pay uh, their own sign language interpreter but they wouldn't provide access <laughs> because they were not a student. So what this person did is that her mom uh, went to college with her, so that she would have to pay in a private uh, uh, university two times to, to be able to graduate, and her mom was the interpreter. So this is the kind of barrier that uh, we still have to face here in Brazil, uh, that's much harder when, when we talk uh, with, with persons uh, in, in the U.S. Um, so this, this can be very challenging, but we, we see a lot of resilience for persons with disabilities here in Brazil, and uh, we try to overcome those barriers, talking to companies, explaining the scenarios, and uh, we have a lot of companies uh, engaged on improving accessibility and also uh, providing training um, 
to help the persons with, with disabilities to grow in their career? Well, you know, it takes a mobilization of people to see that change. You know, in the United States, several years <clears throat> before the ADA was signed, Justin Dart and his wife Yoshika went around the United States and five territories five times meeting with disability groups, encouraging them to get other people on board to support, you know, the ADA. Now, obviously, uh, you know, few people can do that, but what you do have to do is in different cities try to get disability rights leaders, you know, going to uh, – uh, the legislation, try, legislators talking about this because like that example you gave, oh my goodness, like how many people could have their mother go to college with them? And, and by the way, that once again shows how much people with disabilities want to gain employment in the long run. So that that is an amazing story that you just told. Uh, do you see, uh, Guillerme, housing? Is there housing or is it also not accessible? Yes, um, we, we face uh, problems in, in, in housing, uh, especially uh, where when, when you go to areas that um, um, you don't have uh, proper streets, and, and, and this can be very common here uh, in Brazil. Uh, you, you you go, for example, uh, to the favelas. Um, it, it would be very, very difficult. Uh, we, we even uh, started a project uh, with an NGO that uh, works uh, at uh, favelas, so we, we could improve uh, the, the accessibility. But here, especially at those points, is where we see the Brazilian people coming together. Um, and this is something that uh, I'll, I'll like to, uh, Richard to, to, to comment about, uh, is that um, people help each other a lot. So we don't have uh, a great accessibility but we have great people that uh, are, are willing to help and overcome those barriers. So it, it's not ideal uh, that you, you grab someone's chair to, to go over some stairs. Um, but if that is what it takes for, for a person to go to school, to the doctor, um, you probably will, will find someone around uh, to do that. So, we see uh, a lot of uh, connection and, 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 and people helping each other to overcome those barriers that uh, we'll face in our, in our country. Now, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Not surprising about the people. That is really wonderful. Well, Richard, what you didn't mention, in addition to being a psychology professor, and a diplomat, you also are an author. <laughs> You're all about language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you're very sweet to mention that, Joyce. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I have. I've, I've written a few books, uh, three books, with my uh, co-author, who's my academic advisor, Roger Cruz. And, um, yeah, it's nice of you to, to mention that. The first book got started, though, I was studying Korean, and um, it was challenging. And people kept saying to me, well, it's because you're older. You know, you can't, you can't learn Korean at age 50. What are you thinking about? And I thought, this doesn't seem right to me. I mean, I know that, that children have kind of a built-in advantage with language learning, but it, it's, it, it, doesn't, it shouldn't be impossible for adults. And so I, I did research. Roger and I did research and investigation. And, and, you know, we found that, in fact, adults can learn foreign languages. They just need to approach them in a, in a, in a different way. Um, and so we wrote a book about how adults can learn a foreign language, um, the cognitive processes about that. And we had, we had such a good time writing that book that we then wrote, we wrote two more. Uh, one is about um, cross-cultural communication, and the other one is about language and um, aging. But um, thank you for mentioning That's very nice of you to mention. Well, may I ask this question? If, and this is, again, Richard Roberts we're talking to. If someone wants to purchase any of those books, because they're, uh, what an honor to be mentioned, by the way, um, are, is, can you get these books on Amazon? Uh, yes, they're all on Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, Richard Roberts on Amazon. I mean, this man <laughs> is brilliant. I would really so encourage cool. you to, you know, look at those books, to purchase those books, um, uh, because he sweet. is just, well, you know what, though? That's a very interesting topic, because people do say that. I've heard many people say, well, you can't learn a new language now because you're old. So that is interesting that you, too, you know, caught that and, and worked on that. Uh, as you said, not that young people don't have a clear advantage, but you know, nor is it impossible. So not at all. No, not at all. No. And in your book, you tell us how, how to do that. Right. I mean, I talk about, we talk about the, um, you know, Roger Cruz and I talk about the, um, uh, the advantages that adults have because we're adults are strategic learners, you know? And so kids, you know, they can be more like sponges and it's like, you know, you can, you can envy that, but, an adult shouldn't try to learn a foreign language the way a child learns a foreign language. But adults should take, think about the strengths that they have, their individual strengths, and then use those, leverage those to learn the language and to get enjoyment out of learning the language as well. It's not just about learning the language. It's about really enjoying that and um, approaching the language, you know, with kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a sense of, excitement about it, a sense of, of really wanting to not just learn the language, but to learn the culture and to be able to interact with people and to see the beauty in the language. There are all, all of these amazing aspects about it. It's not just about learning the grammar. You know, there's so much more than that. And so that's kind of what we try to, try to you know, talk about in the book and try to encourage people to just get really excited about their language learning journey and not to worry so much about whether they're making mistakes or or whether they're sounding natural or not sounding natural, um, to really just kind of fall in love with the language in a sense. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, Guillerme, I'm sure you have a goal for 2023. So what is your goal? And if a company is listening or 
a person with a disability, a company that wants to hire someone, an agency that wants to hire someone, an NGO, or a person with a disability seeking employment, how do they reach out to you? Um, that's a that's a great question, Jared. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we have uh, been setting our goals uh, for the past few years, and um, it, it, it has been amazing because we always look for uh, our impact. And um, it was very challenging for us uh, the year of 2020. Uh, because companies during the pandemic stopped hiring and uh, um, we had many, many people coming for us looking for jobs and we wouldn't have any job opportunity. Um, so this is where we had the idea of the job fair. And since 2020, we've been doubling our social impact for the past, for the past few years. And um, we, we thought... We, we didn't think we could do it in 2022. Uh, so it was really hard to reach, but we are confident that uh, we're going to do it again. So we want to double our our impact again in 2023, and that means um, a lot of work, a lot of companies, but especially a lot of people employed and and uh, happy in the labor market. Um, if anyone wants to reach us, um, our website, uh, it's, uh, Egalité. So, uh, spelling it's E-G-A-L-Y-T-E dot com dot B-R. Uh, so this is our website where, uh, people find, uh, information. Uh, we also have some content available in English in our YouTube channel. So um, you, you'll find that as well in our website. We're happy um, to, to help companies uh, in Brazil and all over the world. We've provided uh, some training and exchanged some experience with companies um, in the US, UK, Bangladesh, India, Nigeria, um, Chile, Uruguay, Argentina. So we we really like uh, to share what we've learned and the experience that uh, we have here in Brazil um, to 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 everyone that is interested. Oh, that's awesome! All right, well, everyone, you heard it. You know, I know we soon will be ending the show and I think it's clear that the biggest obstacles uh, number one accessibility accommodations then of course stigma but I wanted to ask you Richard and Guillerme um, you know you're such both such wonderful people but you know you just don't do that something influences you so uh, Richard I'll start with you who, who do you consider your role models well, well, you, Joyce, <laughs> you're the, you're my role model. Um, so it's just been, you know, meeting you in Korea. I remember the very first moment that we met. Do you remember where it was? First moment there, we was met. Was it at the hotel? We met at the hotel. Yep. Yeah. 
I remember that. And just, you know, the, the trip was so wonderful, but just watching you uh, being with people and interacting with them and, and the, the, the positivity that you radiated. And yet you also, you know, hold people's feet to the fire. Do you know what I mean? So you're positive and you're upbeat and, 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 and really care about people. But you're also, you know, you don't, you know, you, know, take, you don't take any prisoners either. <laughs> so you're serious about what you do. And I, that combination of positivity and, and commitment, I, I just think it's really wonderful. So I, I, I wish I could be more like you. Richard, that is so kind of you. That really is. That means a lot to me. I will say, um, the I don't know if you remember the first engagement we went to, but it was with, I think, how could I explain this? Someone that works for the government in, in Korea, some type of agency, maybe oh, of sure. labor. I remember. Maybe, yeah, and we went in to talk, and like there was little communication and when I walked out you said to me you should be the diplomat and right then I knew oh I'm gonna <laughs> like him right that minute I knew I was going to like you and so all of you know yeah. here in western Pennsylvania Richard has visited us here in Pittsburgh not that long ago uh, he was here and he'll be here many more times Right, Richard? Yeah, and, you know, my goal for 2023 is to get you to Brazil. So, Guillermo and, and Carla, we're going to work hard <laughs> to get you down here this year. I'm coming. I'll be coming. I told yeah. that to Guillermo because, as I always say, we have a lot of work to do. One mm. person you can impact, one, is worth it. So, how about you, Guillermo? Who do you consider your role model? Um, I, I hope that uh, you get a chance uh, to meet him soon, Joyce and, and Richard as well. Um, some some of the team of the embassy and the consulate uh, already met, uh, but uh, his Nijalma, that uh, it's he's, he's my business partner now um, and has been a great friend for for many many years. So uh, he started his HR career in Walmart, and uh, he was um, he, he was just starting his his career, and we created together a great business case. Uh, we helped to employ over 900 persons with disabilities in an 18 month period, and uh, he became one of uh, the most respected uh, HR executives uh, with a disability here uh, in Brazil. And uh, he was uh, a senior manager working for Ernest Young, um, leading the diversity and inclusion agenda for Latin America. And uh, I, I don't know exactly how, but uh, <laughs> we were able to bring him uh, to Egalité. And now I have the honor to have him as my business partner. Uh, he's such an amazing person and, and a great role model uh, for us, um, especially because I believe Jama is, um, I, I would say, um, a perfect role model and example on whatever we talk 
about uh, the potential and how can uh, a person with disability have a high performance and and deliver and being part of of, of this change. So, Shama, uh, it's, it's an amazing person, and and I hope we all can be together here in Brazil talking about that and uh, sharing these great experiences and learning from each other. He sounds like a wonderful man, so I would love to meet him. He sounds wonderful. Well, folks, we end every show with a quote, and today I specifically called Miss Judy Human, the international disability rights leader, star of Crip Camp, author of Being Human, you know, oh, so much stuff she's done in disability, and ask her to for a quote for this show. And she said, employment not only gives us salaries, but it gives us personal dignity and allows our community to realize that we, as disabled people, are part of the larger society. Brazil has been working to advance employment for the disabled people as has the U.S. collaboration and that benefits us all, said Miss Judy Human. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on Disability Matters at voiceamerica.com. Make sure you share this show. Go to Spotify, show this show, share it with everyone. And in the words of Mary Brocker, choose joy. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.